You duped me, O Lord, and I let myself be duped. How many of you, when your kids were young children and they had to either eat something healthy or had to take medicine, how many of you duped your kids into doing that? (laughs) See, some of you. What did you do? How did you dupe them into it? The meat wasn't ready yet. That's when, they, so they eat the vegetables. I heard applesauce over here. Applesauce. Any others? Ice cream. What would you do? Hide something in ice cream? You really did. Okay. <laughs> so that gives us an example of what um, what is meant by that, because it can seem weird that God would dupe us, right? Well, it's just like a, a mother or father taking care of a child. Sometimes you got to dupe them into doing something that is good and, and right for them and healthy and maybe tastes bad like medicine. Okay, there's two brothers. They were really rich, and uh, they also used their money uh, to do things that were less than noble. And so these two brothers lived pretty scandalous lives. But they still came to church. Every Sunday they came to church and they dressed up and everything looked good. But while they were away from Mass, they would um, um, use the money in ways that were less than holy. So one time the pastor retired and then there was a new priest that came in. Sounds familiar, right? (laughs) Not only could this new priest see the brother's deception, but he also realized that that, um, he also realized what they were doing. Because the assembly was growing and growing, they had to build a new church. And so the pastor started doing a fundraiser for the church. Well, these brothers who were rich made a pact to each other. And they said, whoever dies first, we will give your portion of the money to the church. But here's the thing. When you do it, you got to convince the priests that we're holy. So when one of the brothers died, the other brother met with the priest. And he said to the priest, um, I'll give you this money, and you can build the whole church. I'll give you an empty uh, blank check, and you could build the church. If anybody wants to do that, I'd be glad to accept that. <laughs> and he said, I will build, uh, I, you could build the whole church with this money under one condition. At the funeral, you have to call my brother a saint. So the pastor knew this, right? So the next day, they have the funeral, and as the pastor is preaching the homily, He goes on to say how bad this man was, actually. You know, that he was a cheater, he was a scoundrel, he was a liar, um, did horrible things in his life. But compared to his brother, (laughs) he was a saint. (laughs) So you you duped me, Lord, and I let myself be duped. When we enter into our vocations, the the calling that God comes, when we truly become disciples, there's this time that uh, is like the honeymoon period. And so you may have noticed a new face up here. Daniel Libertor, he just finished his first week in the seminary. So give him a round of applause. So he looks pretty good right now, doesn't he? He looks pretty happy. But at some point during the semester, he's going to say, you duped me, God. That was always the joke during hard time in the seminary. We'd say to each other, man, we got duped. Um, But it's true for all vocations and all ways of life, right? So if you think about even a kid going off to college, like they're, they're, they're excited at first and then they decide, like, maybe this major is not right for me. Or, you know, someone that becomes newly married, there's that phrase, the honeymoon is over, right? When you begin newly married, everything's wonderful. And at some point, the honeymoon is over. 
Um, maybe it's a new career that you take, and at the beginning, it's, you're excited and everything's wonderful. Um, there's just different ways that we're called in life. Maybe it's even living a single vo vocation. Maybe your life didn't turn out like you expected it to. And each of these ways of life that we all live, at first, when, when God calls us, there's, there's like this wonder and awe. There's this great experience. But at some point, for each and every one of us, we're going to get duped. And what I mean by that is we're all going to have to embrace the cross at some point. Now, what's interesting about Peter in this gospel, this is, remember last week's gospel when they went to Caesarea Philippi, Peter, or Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, truly, you are the son of God. This is moments later. So Jesus then says to Peter that he is going to have to go to Jerusalem and suffer and die. And so Peter says to him, surely not, Lord. He actually says, God forbid that that happens. And then Jesus says these words that are so stinging. He says, get behind me, Satan. For you are, are acting like an obstacle. So what's interesting about this is the word Satan in the original Greek means a stumbling block or a stumbling rock, actually. So if you're walking along a path and there's a rock there and you trip on it, that's what it means. So Jesus is saying, you are the rock on who I will build my church. And right at this moment, you've become a stumbling block. So you got it wrong. And in a sense, Peter was duped into this, right? Because Jesus is telling him um, who I am. And the, he, the disciples are working miracles. They're doing these amazing things. They think everything is great. And then now, now it turns and Jesus says, you must take up your cross and follow me. And so it's true for each and every one of us, there will be a point when we have to take up our cross and follow him. A point where our vocation begins to be tough, a point where marriage begins to be tough, where our labors begin to be tough. And so we go to the second reading. I'd like to say, St. Paul says to the Romans, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. So we are invited into offering our bodies as living sacrifices, just as the Lord did. And that can seem like uh, strange, like how do we do that? How do we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Well, at every Mass, as the priest comes to the altar and offers the, the, the bread and wine, transforms them into the body and blood of Christ, Jesus in that moment is offering himself to the Father Myself as a priest is offering myself to the Father, and each and every one of you are offering yourselves to the Father. And what that means is that there's no other place in the world that we can truly live our vocation of offering ourselves to God than right here in the Eucharist as we celebrate this Mass. There's actually a line in Eucharistic Prayer 1, and the line says that... Um, Pray, my brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to, God, to, to the Almighty God. So pray that my sacrifice and yours be acceptable to Almighty God. When you were baptized, you were baptized into priest, prophet, and king. And so this is our role of priesthood, of offering ourselves to God. And we have the opportunity to do that at every Eucharist. St. Peter Chrysogolus, who is one of the early saints of our church, 
He said, listen now to what the apostles urge us to do. I appeal to you, listen, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Paul has raised all men to the priestly status, and each of us is called to be a sacrifice to God and his priest. Do not forfeit what divine authority confers upon you. Keep burning continually the sweet-smelling incense of your heart on the altar. We hear at the, at the um, end of the second reading, he says, Do not conform yourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may be pleasing and perfect to God. And then at the end of the, the first reading, this idea of the prophet who has been duped. So he's duped by God, and he says, whenever I cry out, what, whatever violence and outrage is my message, the word of the Lord has brought me derision and reproach all the day long, and he says, I cannot endure it. So he's kind of hit rock bottom. He's come to the point where he cannot endure anymore what he is suffering. Well, just a few verses later in Jeremiah, this is what, what, what is said. When I found your words, Lord, I devoured them. Your words were my joy, the happiness of my heart, because I bear your name, God of hosts. I did not sit celebrating in the circle of merrymakers under the weight of your hands. I sat alone because you filled me with rage. So he's filled with this rage. Why is my pain continuous? Why is my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? You are like a deceptive brook. Listen to what he's saying to God. You are like a deceptive brook, waters that cannot be relied on. Do you ever feel like that, like that with God? Like you can't be relied on, God. You dupe me again. But then he goes on to say, and the lament comes to an end, and he expresses praise and trust in the Lord our God. It changes from this feeling of being duped to realizing the wonderful things that God is doing in his life. And then finally, I just want to close with a quote from St. Augustine. So St. Augustine was one that lived a very scandalous life, if you ever read his confessions. He had his conversion, and the conversion came through his mother's intercession. So St. Monica prayed for her son to be converted. So if you have a child or children or grandchildren away from the faith, there is no stronger prayer. After his conversion, this is what he says. Late have I loved you, ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside. And it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things of creation. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. If they had not been in you, they would not have been in, they would not have been in all. And here's this conversion. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me and I burned for your peace. As we receive the Eucharist today, let this be a moment that we are joined together with Christ. Let this be a moment that we entrust ourselves totally to him, that if we feel duped in life, that we can entrust ourselves to him and receive 
his very body and blood into us so that we can burn with that same passion, that all of our sorrows can turn into joy and that we can go out into the world to share his light. When Daniel came here Friday night, he stayed with me for the weekend. I just wrote him a little card and I said to him, I hope you let God dupe you over and over and over again. And for each and every one of us, I hope for all of you that you let yourselves be duped. Because when we let ourselves be duped by God, we give up our own way of life, we enter into the life that he desires for us, and we will discover that it is truly good to be duped by God.